Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The Business View. Good morning. Welcome to US Markets Wrap. I'm Sean Cheong. Stocks moved quickly in a, in a spiral overnight. That came after the Federal Reserve paused its rate hiking campaign and signaled that it was making progress on fighting inflation. But at the same time, the central bank indicated that it's going to hike another two times later this year. So the S&P 500 eked out a narrow gain, rising about 0.08% to close at 4,372 points. Meanwhile, the Nasdaq Composite added 0.39% to finish at 13,626 points. That was supported by gains in NVIDIA and AMD. In this session, both the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq touched their highest level since April 2022. So for more insights, we'll be breaking this down and we are joined by Frank Capillary, the founder and president of Cap Thesis. Frank, welcome to the show. Hey, Sean. Thanks very much for having me. How are you? I'm very, very good. So the Fed had paused rate hikes following 15 months of interest rate hikes, but signals more tightening to come. Fed Chair Jerome Powell says risks to inflation are still to the upside. Is this a, like a hawkish pause there? And what, how are investors reacting? <clears throat> exactly what it is. We've got the pause, but then, as you know, Chairman Powell spent the, the entirety of his talk about it saying that they're more concerned about inflation than anything else, like you just said. So it is considered a hawkish pause. And the all eyes now are going to be on, of course, the next meeting to see if they actually do so. I will say that one of the things that Powell did a pretty good job of was making the distinction that they are projecting two more hikes this year, but it's not a prediction. So that, in my eyes, that gives them some leeway to change their minds. And, and really, they're always going to be data dependent. They've always have been in the past. But I think one of the issues there is that, you know, what data are they looking at? If they continue to look at you know, CPI and data that is it's from the past few months and remove some of the, you know, the key elements like food and energy, I think that's going to be missing the boat a bit. I think they have to look ahead and look at what's going on in front of them. In particular, just look at what the commodity prices are doing right now. So on that note of data dependent, Powell says that the committee has been surprised at the extraordinary resilience in the labor market. So what's the story there and what else should the Fed be looking at? Right. Well, it's all about the dual mandate, right? So Powell, again, stressed a desire to have stable inflation along with maximum employment. So that's always going to be the case for soft landing without hurting you know, the economy or, or people working. Uh, I do think that's going to be challenging to achieve both at once, right? To keep, to keep raising rates or keeping rates high, that could really hurt some of the areas, especially small, medium-sized businesses, which don't have you know, the ability to scale as much or do too many things in the side. I think that's really going to be something that's going to be tricky going forward. Since we're talking about rate hikes, the two-year Treasury yield inched higher after the Federal Reserve officials indicated more rate hikes on the way this year. So what are the risks of keeping the rates too high? Well, I, I think you mentioned it right there. It's going to squeeze you know, consumers. That's the uh, people that have you know, credit cards and other areas that just have you know, loans that are going to reset. And that's, that's going to be concerned and we saw what happened last year as that really affected you know many areas especially the real estate market but i would say one thing that the fed is looking at are rates in particular the 10-year yield and if you think about what happened really going back to late 2020 right with the 10-year yield started to to move higher than obviously did so more in a more accelerated way in 2021 all we heard about with the fed was just being patient right and believing that inflation was transitory obviously was the wrong way to view it because by the time they had to act, you know, first the first hike being in March 2022, things were out of control in that sense. And they had to be very aggressive, as you know, moving up 5% from that point. 
So that was they're behind the ball there. The concern now is they're behind in this way too, where you know things have come in a bit. Again, if you look at crude oil as a very good example, where it really topped out a year ago. If you look at corn, wheat, oats, coffee, you know, all those areas that you know matter to consumers, they've already come in a bit. So again, the question is, you know, what are they looking at, and how far do they need this to go to actually you know pull rates lower? And I, I do think it's going to be what the ten-year yield does from now. And you know that topped out, of course, in October of last year, but it really has been unchanged itself, just flatlined a bit in a range. So I think if you know if we see the rate now move higher, you know, from from now until July, I think that gives the go-ahead to the Fed to actually rate 25 basis points. It looks like we have some sort of a pattern forming, don't we? Like we've seen, it, it, like in sequence, we've seen 25 points, then 50 points, and 70 points, then back to 50 points, then 25 on these rate hikes. So is this like a pattern that we are seeing? I think that was the pattern because they didn't know what they were dealing with too much. And don't forget, last year was just extreme for many reasons, just because of the bear market that we've had. Uh, I think, in my opinion, anything more than 25 basis point at a clip right now is not likely because they, they realize what they've done. You know, as of right now, you know, they, they, we have a lot of those hikes in the system. They do want to see if they have an effect right now. And they're only thinking about two more hikes for the year. I think something would really have to drastically change for them to do anything more than that. So it sounds like Fed Powell has all his ducks in the line right now. So <laughs> is that... <laughs> That's the hope, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so... And also, we've been seeing there's a lot of uh, comments uh, recently. Now that the S&P 500 has passed the uh, 4,200, there's a lot of comments recently that, look, we're at the start of a bull market. So why don't I flip this around and ask you, are we really at the end of a bear market? Well, it's a very good question because I think it has to be framed in a certain way, right? Number one, as we know, it's 20% move from, from a low to a high is considered a bull market, but it depends on where you look, of course. But with the S&P 500, I think what's really there's, there's really a few key differences between 2023 and 22. One, with the S&P 500, the simple ability to make higher lows over the last number of months something we didn't see last year, right? So that means pullbacks have been bought. You know, pullbacks are bought, that's how uptrends are made. And so when uptrends continue, they obviously can get high, they can be 20% higher, 30, whatever it is. And we've seen that before. The other thing when that occurs is that you have bullish chart patterns being formed and then taken advantage of. Again, a very simple concept, but something we didn't see at all, really, until over the last number of months. That's key as well. And the third thing, which you probably don't hear about that much, is that the frequency of large daily moves for the S&P, both up and down, so absolute basis, has dramatically decreased, and I say decreased, since the start of Q2 this year. Now, because compare that to what happened last year, when, if you look at the last 12 months in 2022, there were 130 different plus or 1%, uh, 1% moves for the S&P 500 all year. That just meant that the two-way volatility was, extru- was severe, so you couldn't trust any of the moves. That kind of really continued through the first quarter of this year, and then fell off a cliff in April. And when April came, we had a very, very tight trading range up until the, the middle of May. And then that's when things kind of took advantage of that. And all those combined really are keys to the uptrend that we've seen. And we need to see all that continue for us to get higher from now. And uh, just a quick one before I let you go, because you mentioned about higher lows and higher highs and pullbacks being bought. This really wasn't a thing last year. So when you look at the big performers making these higher lows and higher highs and you know people coming into the pullbacks, you do realize that concentrated in AI and in tech, the NVIDIA's, the AMD's. We've seen Adobe make a 44% move in the last week alone. Uh, what should we be thinking? Is this pullbacks just FOMO coming in or is this like for real? This is really a thing now. 
Well, it's all about having support from as many areas as possible. And again, that that has been a missing link, and many of the bearish, uh, you know, market observers pointing that out on the way up. But over the last two weeks, we've had positive breath on a weekly basis for the S and P, and that is something we need to continue because rotation is really the hallmark of any bull market, right? There's going to be areas that get overheated, and um, Sean, as you pointed out, some of the you know, bigger AI-related or even mega-cap growth stocks in the leading, you know, they can't continue at the pace that they've been going on. The hope, of course, is that when they pull back, demand finds itself, you know, goes to other areas, uh, as of, for instance, industrials. You know, the XLI industrial ETF for the S&P 500 quietly made a new 52-week high, you know, today, and it's close to making a new all-time high. So areas like that, I think, would be clearly in areas to look as the, the next leadership group. Okay. Right. Thank you. That's all the time you have today, Frank. Thanks so much, Sean. Thanks so much. I'll speak to you soon. Uh, we've been speaking with Frank Capillary, the founder and president of Cat Thesis. I'm Sean Chong, and this is Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.